Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you learn how to separate your emotions. I'll also be interviewing motivational speaker Mike Feeney, who's going to share his own personal story and the lessons he learned in separating his own emotions. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but many of you do not know me as a composer. My latest album, Restoration, was just released. Restoration is a continuation of the first album, Consolation. I like to think of these albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. And like in any story, the character goes from a sense of grief and loss, and at the end of Consolation finds hope for his future. In Restoration, he has an awakening. And in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which are not healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, becoming greater than he was before. You may purchase this album on iTunes or any other digital music store. The name of the album is Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you are currently hearing is entitled Introspection. time for self-check-in. It's important for us to be able to separate between what our body feels like and what our emotions are. Sometimes we think they're one and the same, but they're really not. So just because you may have woken up in a bad mood does not mean you can't fulfill the responsibilities that you have to do today. And vice versa, you may have woken up today and not feel very well, but that doesn't mean that you can't be in a good mood. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is the best you've ever felt and 1 is the worst you've ever felt. Go ahead and create those two scales for yourself. For example, for me, on a scale of 1 to 10, for my emotions, I'm feeling probably about an 8. I'm feeling pretty good. And then for my body, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm feeling about a 6. I got some good rest last night and I'm feeling pretty good. So when you can recognize that there's a difference between what your body feels like and what your emotions are, it helps you recognize what you can change. Separating your emotions. The term that I typically use when I'm working with clients is compartmentalization. It's a fancy word to basically say putting things in their own compartment. And that's essentially what we're doing when we separate our emotions. There's nothing worse than experiencing all these different types of emotions and not knowing what to do with them. Sometimes throughout our day, things happen and we're frustrated about one thing and then another situation happens and we're upset about that. And then all of a sudden inside of us, we have this huge emotional turmoil of all these different emotions that we're experiencing. And sometimes it just feels like it's too much. That's one of the reasons why I have my clients check in. For example, the segment just before this lesson gives you ideas of how to create those scales because it's very important to be able to understand if this is just something your body is experiencing or this is an emotional expression that you're struggling with. One way to do that is to set random alarms on your phone. And when you hear this alarm go off, it trains you to automatically do an internal scan to see how you're feeling, how your emotions are, and what your body's doing. So it's really necessary to practice this all the time because the more often you do it, it just becomes an internal habit. And as soon as you experience a certain type of emotion, you can immediately recognize it and then determine what to do with it. When we do feel so overwhelmed with all these different types of emotions, sometimes we take it out on the wrong people or sometimes we take it out on the wrong situation. 
For example, let's say you have a really stressful day at work and you come home and something really annoys you at home and all of a sudden you take out all your anger on your spouse and your spouse is thinking, what in the world? I didn't even do anything. (laughs) But what that's actually called is displaced emotions. You're displacing what you're really feeling onto something else. And so that's why it's so important for us to learn how to separate our emotions or in other words, learn how to compartmentalize our emotions. Often when we experience many types of emotions, we usually only express the one that we feel the most comfortable with. That's why often people experience so much anger, because anger is an easy emotion to express. It's much easier to express anger than to perhaps show vulnerability in front of somebody, to maybe cry in front of somebody, or to admit that you're struggling. So whatever the louder emotion is or the more powerful emotion is, that's always going to take the center stage, if you will, when we express our emotions. So what I always tell people to do is in the moment, if you are aware of, okay, I'm expressing anger and I'm also frustrated with something else that happened earlier, then it's important to say, do I deal with it now or do I put it on the back shelf and talk about it later? So when you do those internal check-ins, those scales, that is when you're able to recognize what you're really experiencing. And a little side note here, anger itself is a primary emotion, but it's also used in a secondary way. Meaning when we're struggling with emotions, we don't want other people to see. When we express that anger, the more intense the anger is, the more intense the other feelings that we don't want people to see. For example, rejection, sadness, fear, loneliness. And so when we express that anger in a greater way, then it causes us to feel more protected from those other emotions we're feeling. So if you find yourself maybe overreacting with anger, you might want to check in with yourself to see if that's what's happening. In fact, you can go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and you can read one of my articles that's called Why Am I So Angry? And it actually talks about the anger payoffs, perhaps why you're expressing anger the way that you are. But going back to the lesson itself, when we have all these emotions, sometimes we think it's this or that. I'm only angry, or I'm only sad, or I'm incredibly happy, or I'm really angry at this person who did this to me. The great thing about being a human is the complexity of emotions that we experience. We have what's called dialectics, you know, in the Socratic method, going back to perhaps in university or school, when you learned about the Socratic method, the dialectic is the opposing question to maybe rule out what the initial question was. So it kind of balances it out. And nowadays we can use that term of a dialectic, fancy word, to basically say opposite things can exist at the same time. For example, I can be at a funeral and be incredibly sad that that person is no longer with me, but I can laugh at a very funny moment that we shared together. And that's a dialectic. It's a perfect example of opposite emotions existing at the same time. So it's so important for us to recognize if we can experience multiple things at once, well, then what do we do with it? Because if we don't have that awareness, then all of a sudden, we're going to be so overwhelmed with these emotions that we don't know what to do with it. So that's why it's important for you to have that check-in to say, all right, I'm feeling happy with this situation. I'm feeling sad with this situation. I'm really annoyed over here. I'm frustrated here. I'm really sad about this other situation. Often we're so bombarded with all these emotions. And so the goal for today is just to really help you be aware of you are going to experience so many things in a matter of seconds. But once you have that awareness of what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, you can separate between one emotion that's linked to one situation, or maybe it's two emotions linked to one situation, but you can keep it aside. And then when you look at the other things throughout your day, you don't bring in those other emotions to the new event, because in doing that, you're actually going to create more struggle for yourself. And not only that, but you're going to create friction between you and the other person with whom you express these displaced emotions. 
So I would really like for you to build into your day the scales that I've talked about in the first segment, creating alarms on your phone, for example, or perhaps knowing every two hours you're going to do this. But when you have something to remind yourself to do it, you become more familiar with it and it's easier to do it each time until pretty soon, as soon as you feel a certain emotion, your internal scan automatically goes off. You immediately know what you need to do with it and you can separate it so you can have a much more productive day. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. (laughs) We've all experienced those times when nothing seems to go right. This class will specifically train you how to process the event, regroup, and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. Enroll in the class today. Mike Vini is America's leading mental health speaker and a high-energy drum circle facilitator. He delivers educational, engaging, and entertaining presentations to meetings and conferences throughout the world. He's going to share his incredible story with us today. Welcome to my show, Mike. Hello, James, and hello to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Now, the person I'm speaking with today does not seem like that's the same person that originally started out in life. Would you be willing to share your incredible story with us today? Absolutely. Sure. So where would you like to start? Let's just jump right into it. Where would I like to start? I grew up with two wonderful parents and a younger brother. Uh And for some reason, I was struggling with mental health and behavioral health challenges. And for me, that meant I was getting very angry and constantly having raging behavioral outbursts in school. And I just didn't know how to manage my emotions. And this actually led to me getting hospitalized in a psychiatric hospital three times for extended periods of time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And I was also expelled from three schools. Like, it's, it's, it's enough to get suspended, but expelled from three schools for behavioral outbursts. Mm. And I tried to take my own life at age 10. Oh, my gosh. And, and I was regularly self-harming myself. So in many ways, I was a poster child for at-risk youth. Sure. And I was heavily medicated on lots of different uh, drugs to try to help me and mm-hmm. constantly going to, to therapists. And that's kind of where things started with me. Wow. Now, thinking back at that time, do you remember realizing that you just felt off from maybe your peers or wanting to maybe act differently, but for some reason you just weren't able to? You know, it's it's a great question because in therapy nowadays, um, I go to therapy as much as I can when I'm in town. Uh-huh. We're actually talking about a lot of this, and when I look back upon my childhood, I was feeling like something was wrong, but I was also feeling this like intense sadness mm. that was sort of like an undertow that just kind of stayed with me no matter how good things were in my life or not. Yeah. And that's interesting that you're able to recognize that now, because I'm sure there's many people who are listening to this that can relate, maybe not to the your story per se, but that sometimes pervasive sense of, of sadness and not really know what to do with it. Absolutely. And I think there are a lot of people that aren't aware of it. And mm-hmm. what I'm learning is that when you're not aware of it, it can manifest in some very negative, toxic ways. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that leads to violent behavior. It can lead to sabotage, self-destructive behavior, and, and it's worth suicide. Sure. And now you experienced this as a very young child. At the age of 10, you tried to take your own life. How did, how was it for your teenage years when you start, started to become older and adolescent? You know, it was difficult till about age 16. That's mm-hmm. when everything changed for me. And Throughout that time, I had been involved in many activities like so many youth out there. (laughs) And one of the activities that I was involved in was music. I was a drummer. 
And for some reason, whenever I played the drums, and it's funny, as I'm saying this right now on air, I'm actually feeling like a warm feeling inside of me. Oh, that's great. Um, Whenever I play the drums, I feel better. I feel better. I feel happier. It calms me down. So once I realized that around age 16, things started to really transform Mm. for me. And that kind of became your passion then, it sounds like. Yeah, um, it became my passion, but it also became my medication. And Mm -hmm. I realized that I needed to focus my career around my medication Mm -hmm. or I would have no job ever. And so I chose to become a professional drummer, did that for many years, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of work in New York City, independent artists, different albums, stuff like that. And now I do corporate drumming with adults. Now, what is corporate drumming? What is that? Basically, I get adults in the workplace, in a room, for a staff training, uh-huh. or for a big event, and they all have instruments, and we all get to learn to be a drum band together and have some fun. Interesting. So what's so overall, what's the takeaway that you want business people to understand? It's to be intentional about connecting with others. Okay. My mission in life is to empower people to connect authentically. Mm-hmm. And I just told you about my childhood. I felt disconnected inside. And for a lot of your listeners out there, many of them listening feel disconnected. And I realized that once I started to feel more connected, I was able to better connect with other people. And that's what I really try to bring through the drumming. So having this intrinsic awareness of intentionality of yourself and everything that pretty much makes you up. Once you have that, then you're able to really connect with the people around you. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. I mean, it's the age-old self-help thing. You have to have a relationship with yourself before you can have one with other Mm -hmm. people. And I think you know a lot of people just glance over that or ignore it or don't realize the serious impact it has if you don't have a really good, healthy relationship with yourself. Yeah. And what would you say is perhaps one of the mitigating factors, one of the leading factors that causes people not to really have that awareness? It's very scary. We are in a world where you can kind of have instant gratification anytime you want with the mobile device that is probably within three feet of you. We all have one. (laughs) And, you know, the cool thing about that is, you know, if we're wanting to distract ourselves, we just go on Facebook and see what's going on or check the news or or, or text our friend or, or whatever. We can distract ourselves. And I mean, we pretty much do this as a society from the moment we wake up till when we go to sleep at night. And what I have found is that by putting the phone down, by taking the time and being intentional about learning to be more aware of what conversations are going on inside your head and asking yourself uncomfortable questions, you can really start to learn about yourself and start to find real happiness. Well, it's finding that stillness within yourself. Yeah. That's great. So who are the people that helped transform you as you were growing up? Well, first and foremost, my parents. I mean, they really were so committed Mm. to getting me the help that I need. And, and, And I know I put them through a lot. I mean, when you have a kid that is like me. And if any of you are listening and have a kid that, that is remotely like I was, I, 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 I feel sorry for you. It's, it's, it's tough. It really is tough. Even if you love that kid. So my parents, I also had good friends. Friends are so important. Well, that's what I was going to ask you as well. What, what did your peers think about you? You know, let's say you're in a classroom and you may be acting out and they're looking at you. What were some of the things that they would maybe say about you or how they, how they viewed you? During my childhood before age 16, 
I had people that I was acquainted with, but I can't really say beyond maybe one of my neighbors that I used to play baseball in the street with that I really had close friends. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started to get a better relationship with myself through the drumming at age 16 that I started to actually develop real genuine friendships. Mm. And that, that was a life changer for me. I'm sure. And that's what I was going to say. I'm sure that was just so foreign to you to see that people really cared about you, loved you. Not that you, you knew it before, but to have that intrinsic connection where it was almost effortless. I'm sure that was such a new experience for you. Absolutely. And if I can just add something to that, uh, one thing I do want to share in the spirit of uh, transparency, about a week and a half ago, my mom passed away. And, you know, I've been going through the grieving process, but I'm also celebrating her life. And I'm so grateful for the mother I had. And I'm actually doing uh, really well. But one of the things that, that happened was during my mom's memorial service, I was overwhelmed by the amount of my friends that showed up to support me. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That really is. I think one of the hardest things, and of course this is, your, your grief is, is private, of course, but the whole aspect of finding that, the ability to grieve appropriately and healthily, but also the celebration of, of her life as well. I mean, that, it's a really hard line there as you process all that you're experiencing. Absolutely. And I want to say in the spirit of transparency, I still go to therapy and my lovely therapist actually let me know that I had access to her phone 24 seven, you know, she, if she was awake and, and available, she'd talk, if sure. not call, she called me back. And one of the things that she was really helpful with during the grieving process was reminding me not to take things day by day, mm-hmm. but take things hour by hour, yes. or even sometimes minute by minute. And when you're grieving or just going through any kind of major change in your life, there's so many emotions happening at Mm -hmm. once. And it's really important just to not let yourself get overwhelmed by it. That's when trouble starts. Yeah. The the bigger the umbrella is, the more (laughs) difficult it is. In other words, if we don't compartmentalize each of the things we're experiencing, compartmentalize it by the minute or by what we're actually feeling, because too much of it is is too much. So if you can take it one sliver at a time, so much easier, if you will, I use those words loosely, easier to experience and to understand and to put it in its particular compartment in your life. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, the other thing I wanted to share that, that might be of interest to your listeners out there, one of the things that I'm learning now about my past and, and how I'm finding happiness now, and this is specifically targeted at men, mm-hmm. masculinity and mental health issues. I'm really learning how much masculinity plays in my depression and my interactions with the world at a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that, you know, from a cultural standpoint, from a societal standpoint, it's, it's interesting the, the masculinity component or the, the connotation or the, what, what each person's idea of what that is, what society's idea of that is, and how that really plays a role in the upbringing of, of a young boy. You know, working with so many different types of, of individuals, the masculinity component, sometimes we superimpose that with other, other scales, if you will. Uh, masculinity could be as far as um, how strong you are. Masculinity could be about your sexuality. Masculinity could be about your, your race, your age. I mean, all these different things. So with the superimposition, or in other words, the when you overlap another scale, if you will, with another one with masculinity, all of a sudden feels like it has to be this or that, masculine or not masculine, and they're really not related at all. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that, and I'm going to remember that as I'm 
continuing my therapy because what I had to discover was that I had all these other scales that I thought were causing issues mm-hmm. when it really was masculinity at sure. the root of it that was really causing some of these issues for mm-hmm. me inside. Yeah, and it's one thing that, you know, kind of going back to the compartmentalization we talked about earlier, that's the same type of thing. When we break something down to its lowest component or to the baseline of what it is, then we can really deal with it. But too many things that are overlapping, it it confuses us. And so sometimes we focus on an area that really isn't the true issue, just like you said. And so when we can really find that stillness, kind of like we talked about earlier, <laughs> that allows us to really say, wait, wait a minute. It's not what I thought it was. It's it's really this. And the more basic we go, or the more, more base we go with it, the more awareness and insight we have to make that intrinsic change. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, I appreciate your transparency. You know, I think everybody, even myself, I think we all could use the therapy now and again. I think sometimes society has the stigma, if you will, of people who go to therapy, that they're these people you'll see on TV or these pop culture therapists uh, that you're always laying on a couch. And it's really not that. Everybody can use a tune-up. Everybody can use, you know, just a, um, a person just to bounce ideas off of. And so it's great that you are able to still get that from, it sounds like an amazing therapist. And I think that's just one thing that many people don't realize is therapy can be so beneficial on so many levels and many for many different types of people. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I always compare it to is one of my favorite dishes in the world at the Outback Steakhouse uh-huh. called the Bloom Bloomin' Onion. Oh, yeah, it's good. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Bloomin' Onion, when this thing comes out, for those of you that are listening that have never had this, and I know, you know we're talking about health here, but let's just hold that for a second as I talk <laughs> about this. The Bloomin' Onion is a giant deep-fried onion that comes out, and you could actually see for a moment, all the different layers an onion really has. Mm-hmm. You just see how how deep it is. And I always say that a lot of times we don't realize how many layers we're made up of. Yeah. And therapy doesn't exist because you have issues. It's not a place to go to because you're having an issue. It's a place for self-discovery. Mm-hmm. It's a place to 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 learn about yourself and, and learn Learn what makes you happy. Uh, learn how to work through problems with your your friends, your family, your workplace, and you can really discover some beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And I want to add on to that. I think it's also a place to really celebrate yourself because so many times in, in, in life, we can focus so much on the what we can perceive to be negative, but there's always another side to something. And so when we perceive something to be negative, it can also be a stepping stone for us to grow into something that we didn't even know that we had the ability to do this or to become this. For example, you, know, you struggled as a, as a young boy and now you're this transformational person who helps all these other people. Whereas if perhaps if you hadn't really discovered that or, or saw that other side of that, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to be the person you are today. Absolutely. No, I absolutely agree with you. Which that's a wonderful thing, I think, just about therapy itself is every therapist has different styles. Every client has a different way in which they, they learn. And so you have to find that good fit. And so I'd really like my listeners to, to remember that if you see a therapist and it doesn't feel like a good fit, then it's probably not a good fit. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily therapy that's not right for you. It just means it wasn't the right fit. Yes. And actually on my blog, transformingstigma.com, I have an article that I wrote called How to Find a Good Therapist. Oh, perfect. And what it says at the end, which is a lesson one therapist taught me, is if after one or two, three sessions at most, you're just not feeling it, mm-hmm. it's it's just simply not a fit. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. therapy's wrong for you. It's it's kind of like dating in a way, you know, you yep. just have to feel it out till you find the right person. Exactly. It's not a negative for the therapist or for the client. It just simply wasn't a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your your blog. I mean, so tell me more about that because it sounds like you've done a lot. So you've done the corporate drumming, but it sounds like you do a lot of speaking as well. 
I do. And I'm currently also now a writer on mental health for healthcentral.com. Mm-hmm. And I also write for Corporate Wellness Magazine. And all of this stuff kind of just fell into place. You know, sometimes when you surrender in life and just go with the flow and really trust, beautiful things happen. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I spent many years gripping in my mind to the the person I wanted to be when I grew up yeah. and and what the image of what that looked like. And a lot of that goes back to what we were talking about before, masculinity related. Mm-hmm. But I realized that, you know, maybe these mental health issues that have been just causing me pain on a daily basis were maybe a gift. Maybe maybe it was a gift and and no one should have to go through the pain that I go through and and I'm gonna try to help other people. And it was just a quick thought that literally turned into a speaking career mm-hmm. and a writing career. Yeah. And it's interesting that those, you know, sometimes that, that serendipitous thought or that serendipitous event that you have can literally just transform someone's life in an instant. And all of a sudden someone says something that just plants a seed within us, which launches us into a career. So it's, it's, it's always so interesting when you could hear that, that moment that someone had that said that moment changed my life, even though we may not think it at the time, but in the future, you can always pinpoint that moment when things just started to change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I I will say that when I had that thought, it was a very profound feeling of this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very strong gut feeling. I'm a big believer in trusting your intuition. And that led me to uh, create transformingstigma.com. And on my site, what I try to do is provide practical tools, simple tools for people to just have more hope. That's the most important resource we have when it comes to mental health and wellness, because, you know, as you know, from, from your work, when people lose hope, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of therapy Mm -hmm. you go through. So transforming stigma has a lot of articles that I've written that others have written and lots of different videos on me presenting about different things. And that's basically what I'm doing every day. That's wonderful. And you know, it's something that you do every day, but it's also something that you love so much. And there's also a secondary gain in the sense of you get to help people, but it also helps you as well. It strengthens and bolsters your own sense of hope, your own sense of purpose. And so it's kind of a a symbiotic relationship as you speak to the people in in your community or in your lectures. And then you also get to feel that as well. And so it continually builds and builds and builds on top of each other. And it's just such a wonderful feeling overall. I, I agree with you, and uh, you and I are a lot on the same page about a lot of things, so <laughs> I'm noticing that here. And, uh, you know, one thing I always say to people is that when you share facts and figures about a cause or something you believe in, that might get into people's minds. But when you share personal, honest stories that just show the real you and, and may even be ugly – you can really connect with people's hearts. And so when I get to share about my struggles that I have on a daily basis now with Mm -hmm. mental health and my life as a kid and even many of the insecurities I still have, I get to really connect with people on a deep level. And so, yes, it really helps me and it helps them. And it's one of the reasons I can honestly say I'm doing really well in my life now. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, you can definitely hear the transparency and the authenticity in your words and in your voice and just how you carry yourself. Yeah, I, I, it's one of the things that um, I'm shooting for is to learn how to really become more authentic or I shouldn't say become maybe allow myself Mm -hmm. because I think we are all authentic 
but we have these different masks and, and shells mm-hmm. that we wear that we think we need to put out to the world to feel good and feel part of the group. And that goes back to what we were talking about before with awareness. Exactly. Well, Mike, it has been a pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about all the great work you're doing, where would they find it? Please visit my website. It's transformingstigma.com. Again, that's transformingstigma.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, so you can reach out there too. And if you ever have a question or you just want to say hello, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Thank you, James. I also want to thank you, the listener, for joining with us today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today. Also, please visit my website where you may enroll in Lifeology Academy, read my published articles, and watch all my YouTube episodes I created just for you. If you'd like to become a show sponsor or become a guest, please visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.